This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead, so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir, only on LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Ta here, your host, and I am in studio in Los Angeles with, with a very special guest who's a dear friend of mine and a brilliant therapist. And before we bring her on the show, I am a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I am a Reiki practitioner. I utilize EMDR. And if you want to find me to book sessions, both in Los Angeles and New Orleans, you can find me at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. You can also reach out that way if you're interested in being a guest on my show or a sponsor of this show. So today I'm with Nina Watt. She's a marriage and family therapist and a LPC, licensed professional counselor. Her website's ninawatt.com, N-I-N-A-W-A-T-T.com. She has offices in both Silver Lake, Los Angeles, and Portland, Oregon. And what I really like about Nina's approach in her work is that she provides home-based relationship intensive to couples. And I think this allows more attunement to the needs of couples, working with them in their home, seeing what their living space is like, just noting different dynamics that a, a therapist, you know, myself primarily working in the office setting that we don't get to see. So she talks in her work about couples being stuck inside of their own behaviors and patterns and how their limiting beliefs affect the dynamic of the relationship and just how relational love is such a beautiful part of our lives. So I would like to bring Nina Watt on. Hello, Nina. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for the invite. You're welcome. So where would you like to jump I don't know if you want to start with telling us some about your background, what brought you to being a therapist, or more about the work that you do with couples. Well, we could talk about how what brought me to therapy because it's... I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of different. Please. Um, I was one of these people that didn't know what to do when I grew up, didn't know what I was supposed to be, and spent probably the first 25 years of my life stressing about that, which is interesting now because I work with a lot of younger people that do the same thing that I did Hmm. Um, and I think it was after sort of a a, a quite a a dreadful midlife crisis that I decided that the only obvious thing to do with my 
life experience was to go back to school to become a therapist. Okay. Um, so I went back to grad school relatively late. I was in my early 40s when I went back to grad school. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, really started doing this work in 2001. Okay. Probably. So now I'm I'm kind of feeling like, you know, there's people in my place that have been a therapist for 30 years. I've been doing it 15 at this sure. point. But it, it's, it's a hopeful thing, I think, that you can not know what you want to be when you grow up and then figure it out in your early 40s. And I love the work I do. I just... I know you do. I love it so much. Got a good job. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, when, when I read a little about you that you have an MFA also in creative writing. Yeah. And you lived in an ashram in India? Well, I, I, my I undergraduate to... degree was in performing arts. I did not know that. And I okay. bring that definitely a, a sense of drama to my sessions. Um, you know, I think I look for windows of opportunity where I can um, sort of, I, I, I sort of call it going in for the juggler. So I'll create a, a dramatic experience for people in which they can access sort of a deeper truth or a deeper emotion for themselves. I know that's my, my training in, in acting. Um, then I went back to school in my 30s. I'll try another job. Let sure. me try being a, a writer. And I ended up writing for the stage. Um, okay. But, you know, never did anything with that afterwards, right? So I, w- I was always considered myself a generalist. Sure. Now I'm finally found my way, so it's good. You know, this makes more sense. I didn't know your background in acting, yeah. but even in promoting our show, uh, for our listeners, I, I, I call, think of Nina as the Virginia satire, a modern-day Virginia <laughs> satire. And if you don't know who that is, she is a founding mother of therapy. She had a clinic in Palo, uh, Palo Alto, California. Um, and just she went in and worked with families in particular, and she would go in the home or even in her office and move people around. Like she'd take a few minutes to see what dynamics going on and literally say, stop, you get up and sit here, you move there, I want you out of the room, like totally like like a performance. And so I had no idea that's the background you bring to your work, and it makes perfect sense that that's why I felt that intuitively, uh, that yeah. in the way you work with your clients. Well, that's a huge compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I don't know how similar I am to Virginia Satir, but I, I guess I can see some of the similarities that we both were at, spent a lot of time at the Esalen Institute. Yeah. Um, I went there in 2000. Okay. And spent two years um, as a staff member, extended cool. student down at Esalen, and that was a huge part of my own growth. Uh, but what I like about Virginia's work is her um, ability to stay focused in the present, which is what I do. I'm psychodynamically trained. Right. I definitely will be in the moment with whatever is in the room with people. Yeah. Um, which I think is really important with couples work. It know, is. To it deal is. with what comes up, with what's in front of you. I also think Virginia was a bit of a, um, a manipulator. Yeah, how so? Uh, uh, well, she just would, uh, she was always, I think, thinking ahead and thinking of ways to sort of lead people Got it. into. And Down I, where I, she sees. Yeah, and I definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. I had a uh, a supervisor in Oakland, one of my, uh, my, my, you know, graduate level supervisor, and he told me one day, I remember he said that our work requires that we be a bit um, of a trickster. Yeah. That, you know, you have to think 
like five steps ahead of what's going on in the room and try to sort of move people around and get them to have a different experience of themselves and each other. Yes. That's reminding me when I was uh, being supervised for my LCSW license, uh, it's 16 years ago, I I had two LCSW supervisors. One of them will be on the show, Deborah Volker, at some Mm -hmm. point in the future. She's a brilliant trauma therapist. And we were in a staff meeting at my agency and I remember I really love Carl Whitaker, who was a founding father in therapy. He did really kind of um, odd things, you know, like confrontive, just saying things kind of off the wall and, and often taken as like, what the hell are you saying? Because I like doing that sometime in my work if it's a client I feel comfortable with. But we were in the staff meeting just talking about therapy dynamics, and, and I said therapy is a manipulation. And one of my supervisors got really upset with that and, and said, what are you talking about? Like, that's that's wrong or that's it's not that. And I said, well, think about it. People are, a person's in the room or a couple, and they're presenting information. And my head's like down the road, like you were just saying. And I see someplace I'd like for them to get that I think they need to get, but you might not just blab that out, you know, directly if they're not ready or or other work needs to be done. So it's kind of like a manipulation in a healthy, helpful way to get them where they need to be or where they want to be. Yeah, I agree completely. I also think that this work requires a, a person to be a, a diplomat as well. Yes. You know, because you have to say really difficult things yeah. to people in a way that they can hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got two people coming in and it's so easy for people to run scared or to be triggered or to feel defensive or something. So you have to be so, um, you know, you have to be so diplomatic and sort of manipulative, get them so that they'll go, oh, right, maybe that could be true. I am doing that in this relationship, and maybe it isn't a good thing that I'm doing. Yes. People are very defended about the way they are. And, you know, you know yourself, you get couples in the room, and often the first session is just like, I'm going to tell one of them, you know, I'm going to tell you exactly how the other person is making it difficult for me to be in this relationship. And hopefully, you know, you can change, help them change. Yeah. Hopefully you and I will get together to change them. Yeah. Which is, you have to do, let them get that out of their system and then bring it back to self. Exactly. Which is a self-responsibility piece that I, you know, is so important to me in my work. Can you say more about that, the self-responsibility piece? Yeah, I I think it's that, uh, you know, the way I work, I work in the here and now, Mm -hmm. and I work with the activation. You know, people tend to get activated or reactive or triggered. Triggered, yeah. In a relationship. And when that happens, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, parse out the couples and work with each one of them individually. So we'll go into individual work where okay. it'll be like, what are you noticing? What's going on with you right now? What are you experiencing? What are you doing in there? What are you creating in there? What sort of experience for yourself? And once people can sort of take responsibility for that, yeah, it's easier for them to walk out of it. But, you know, you have to get off the blame game and expectations which are the key power struggles and power struggles and all of that and sort of step back so you know you know to really look at what are you doing inside of yourself and how are you creating an experience for yourself that's really causing you suffering and misery right do you notice that you tend to do that particular piece of the work with the couple or individually or does it does it doesn't Depend. matter. What what I've found is if 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 you do it with a couple in the room, 
you know, and I make it very clear, okay, you know, this was your day and next time it might be Oh, I like his that. So, okay, I like that. Um, what, what it does is it, it allows the partner to look at their beloved in a different way. That this behavior isn't about being directed at me or isn't about me and I need to defend myself around, but, but rather they can sort of observe their, their person in a process, yeah, you know, and, and watch them try to unravel what's going on with them. You can sit, it really lends itself to a lot of empathy, for, for your partner? Yeah, you can look and say, wow, this isn't really about me, what's going on with this person right now. They're really yeah. trapped up in their own experience of themselves and their own suffering about something. So it, it allows you to sort of step back and go, this isn't mine. This is theirs. And they're suffering, and I want to, you know... I want, I, want to, I want to help. Oh, that's beautiful. Which is this whole idea that I really strongly believe, too, that, you know, part of this is... The school I went to in San Francisco, the California Institute of Integral Studies, which is an amazing school, um, that that relationship work is really a, a, a you know spiritual path. You can mm-hmm. look at it as you know I'm going to be in relationship and I'm going to try to be the best human being I can be, and I'm going to try to grow and and change for the best and become more compassionate, more humane, and all that. But you use the context of relationship okay. as, you know, a spiritual, as, a spiritual pathway, a, sure. a place to grow as a person. So when I hear you speak about this, I, I'm, I'm thinking for you to help your clients in the couple, you know, relationship, one of them to kind of sit back, depersonalize, you know, step out of their triggers for a moment to see and see their partner suffering, hurting, that's caused the reactiveness, et cetera, and sit back. You know, to be like, wow, this is really hard for you. How can I help you? I think that takes a lot of ego strength. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, not not ego that's in um, like I'm going to dominate, I'm going to control, I'm going to usurp you. You know, ego strength as far as having the ability to really contain your own reactivity and and set that aside to have empathy. So I think that person would have to have the ability of empathy. And what do you do? Because I've experienced and seen, you know, a, a partner that doesn't have that kind of empathy to sit back and, and really, you know, let the other person have their feeling and experience. How, how might you work in that situation? If someone doesn't have, say, the empathy to attune to their partner and, and help that process along? Well, I think if I, I think everybody has the ability to be empathic. Okay. And if and if they don't, it's because they're too caught up in their own, you know, yak yak to to sort of see it. So the first thing is is getting them to self regulate. If you can get yourself out of your uh, reactivity, out of that part of your brain, your amygdala, your triggeredness, and yes. get into your rationale you can see it but you have to calm yourself down and that's the problem with a lot of therapeutic models of of relationship to me anyways because they require that people uh be reasonable and and you you know you and I both know that once you know once you're in a fight with someone or once you're activated you're not really being reasonable right so that's the somatic piece about bringing you know regulating yourself down to a place of calm and then you can look across and see where the other person is coming from if you don't have that you don't really have a relationship because a relationship is about relating 
Yeah. So you have to be able to have the ability uh, to self-reflect when you're in yeah. a relationship. I think that that's, you know, I always say to my clients when, you know, when, when you're a kid, you, you want to go out with someone because they dress cool. Uh-huh. And then you're in your 20s and you want to go out with someone because they make you laugh. I mean, how many yeah. times have you heard that? He makes yeah. me laugh. Um, and then, I, you know, really what makes a relationship workable is, is the individual willingness of each partner to self-reflect mm-hmm. and go, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe my person is right. Maybe I do do that too much. And maybe I need to think about why I do that too much. That now is the number one quality that if you can find that in a human being that person's ability to self-reflect self-reflect yes that's the don't ever let that person go because that's a huge thing if you don't have that there's always a ceiling of a relationship and you can't really go any higher because you're always dealing with defensiveness or person's lack of responsibility you're sort of stuck that totally makes sense so you're able to assess with your clients we'll assess as they're speaking to you kind of where they're at yeah. With this ability to relate and connect yeah. at, at a deep level with and each other. And I think other. it's based on their ability to be self-reflective, to, sure. to be self-aware. Yeah. You know, to notice what they're doing and notice, like, why did I just say that? What was that really about? Or why am I so angry right now? What is really going on? Because, as you know, anger is a really sort of base, easy emotion. It's the first one we go to. That, that often might, you know... <clears throat> overlay be on top of some fear you know i mean it's usually vulnerability that way yeah if it's not it it it's a boundary i mean anger is very useful it, it tells us yeah look at this feels wrong this is wrong stop stop yeah right but that's a very different sort of motivation mm-hmm. than just that fighting fighting defensive fighting you know yes so what brought you to work with couples so specifically as opposed to I do a ton of work with individuals. I have many couples, <laughs> um, you know, but, but for me, I think my best fit is with the individual. So I'm just curious for you, how come, how come you chose? Well, this? because, you know, that's, that is a good question. Because the truth is, is that I really like to be interactive. Okay. Uh, and I am, I'm not one of these therapists that just will sit and listen. And um, I found pretty early that couples work was really dynamic, really interactive. Um, it goes really fast because you're tracking um, a lot of different things. You're tracking the what is up in the room you're tracking their psychodynamic history family of origin stuff you're tracking the power play you're tracking uh the body language your coping mechanisms everything is in the room with you your relationship to each one of the people where you know so it's very complex in a way and to, to track all that stuff at one time. Um, and for me, it, it makes the time fly and it makes me love my job. And I it's one of the reasons why I can do that couple intensives where I can sit with a couple in their home for, you know, minimum two hours. But I've gone up to four, four hours working with a couple. Um, and, it, and it feels like an hour and a half to me. I see it. It makes you alive. You're just like yeah, beaming I love it. right now. I love, so I love couples work. What I was just thinking to ask you is I, I've worked with couples in, in my office setting. I haven't gone into the home. And I'm curious what, 
differences do you notice? And will you talk about your relationship intensives and how, you know, couples would benefit, <laughs> you know, versus the office setting? I'm yeah. curious what that's like. Well, in Los Angeles, uh, where I do where I do yeah. the relationship intensives, it, it makes a lot of sense for busy families um, with kids, with the traffic, you know, it's it can be easier for a couple to just meet and on a, you know, and we work together for two, two and a half, three hours in their home. It's easier wow. in LA. Sure. Um, the dynamic, what I've noticed, yeah. and I don't know if this is across the board, but what I've noticed is that people start behaving badly quicker. Oh, <laughs> so cool. Yeah, you see more, yeah, more yeah. sooner. And it's and it and it starts. So we're they're they're in their own environment and they're not in my environment. And I decide where we sit, so that sort of gives yeah. me the experience of being in control. That's right? a Virginia Satir coming I'm out. I'm going to sit here, and you're going to sit there, and yes. this is how it's going to work. Um, but they'll, they'll, it, it's easier to see the underneath stuff that goes on when they're in okay. their home. Even if it's just like, you know, someone saying... Uh, can you get can you get Nina a glass of water you know I mean uh, even the, the tone yeah not the sink you know and it's like okay so there's there's that it's they just let down their guard a little easier you know, I never thought of that you're totally right yeah when they're in my office everybody's on really good behavior and it can take a couple of sessions before yeah. they ramp up into like bad behavior but in the home they're they can't you see it right away and and then that's where I'll start you know, the house so. start with, yeah. well, like, what, so what just happened there with you and the water, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that's what's there in the room is... is in the present. Of, yeah, in the present moment. And inevitably, it's, that's the issue in their relationship. Yeah. It's, you know, it shows up pretty quick. That's a symptom of, mm-hmm. of what underlies yeah. the, the issues yeah. and problems. Yeah. Very cool. So... Do you want to open the phone lines in case somebody wants to call during the next? All right. Okay. So if if anyone would like to call in and be patient in case we're in the middle of a conversation, the call-in number is 818-602-4929. 818-602-4929. So, again, getting back to these relationship intensives. And, and you have an office in Portland, Oregon. So can you talk to us about the back and forth that you do, what that looks like, and, and how clients in both cities, you know, um, can work with you. Yeah, well, you relate, right? You're I doing do. it too. Yes. And it's funny, I, I met another therapist in Los Angeles that did it um, from Chicago to Interesting. LA. So I moved from San Francisco to Portland. Okay. 2006 or something and started a private practice in Portland, but ended up leaving Portland, not liking Portland and leaving Portland, but really getting a niche there. I've been a therapist in Portland for 10 years. And, mm-hmm. and uh, when I moved away from Portland, I told my my people that um, I was only going to be able to see them once every two weeks. And okay. right across the board, everybody was sort of okay with that. Um, I, I think that it it's it's really good for the relationship stuff and it's even good for the individual stuff because people have a chance to sort of practice um new ways or to become more aware of to start noticing more of it gives them more time in between sessions to reflect and try out these new skills and such you're helping them develop exactly and you can't in a week you know with especially with couples you've got so much going on a week yeah with modern day couples they really would only interact maybe how many hours in in a week with kids and jobs and all of that so right. two weeks gives them more time so i moved to los angeles and um 
was commuting back to Portland to work every two weeks to to see okay. people up there, and then I I've now started something up here, and I think I found my place in Portland. The people I see are sort of uh, you know thirties and forties with oh, cool. young kids and creative and and tattooed and and um, modern and progressive and bright and conscious, and most of them have done some sort of work, and I I think I've found. Uh, that demographic in Silver Lake. So I'm really excited. I found myself an office there, and I'm going to work with people, you know, downtown and and Los Feliz and Echo Park. And and hopefully they're going to be okay with me doing every other week. I'll go Portland a week, L.A. a week, Portland a week, L.A. a week. Because I I even noticed on your your website how you do talk about seeing couples every other week um, as opposed to weekly, and I thought that was really cool and interesting because most therapists you know we'd like someone to come in every week so it was different and I noticed that that you really want them to take that time in between sessions to be reflective absolutely it works out out better and then they can come with examples of where things worked and where they didn't or you know they have something to sort of uh work work with yeah and for me, it works, too, because, you know, sometimes I don't know how you feel about it, but mm-hmm. weekly therapy is, you know, it's it's different. It's different. It's very, it's very scheduled. It's very ritualistic. A lot of people say that that's how therapy works best is, the, you know, within the context of everything being so boundary. the same and the yeah. boundary and all that. And, and I don't know, it's, it's kind of a modern world, and maybe we can look at therapy as having sitting outside the box, you know, a bit yeah. with Skyping or the new, you know, soon we'll be doing virtual reality counseling, right? That would be amazing yeah. and crazy. There are programs that are going to start allowing you to do that. Like what? Well, that you'll put on you'll put on the headset and okay. you'll be able to be in real time, in sort of volumetric real time with your clients. Really, yeah. Nina? Yeah, it's different. Wow. I mean, it's hard for us as like relational people to I get know. our head around that, and and even even like Skype therapy or all that. But you got to remember that. You know, this younger people and a new world order is suggesting that that we're going to be doing it differently. Yeah. You know, there's a different way to be in the world that isn't worse than or it's it's, it's just, just different. different. And yeah. and it does reflect, I think, our times and yeah. and the ways we work differently. Yeah. You know, work more. I I find, you know, than yeah. and and such. Yeah. I know the idea of the sort of the blank slate therapist or the, you know, the therapist is... Yes, the tabula rasa. People people don't mind. In my experience, people don't want that. In fact, that's probably the... I'm always curious on the first time I meet with someone, they'll say, I'll say, well, what have you been in therapy before and what didn't work for you? That's a good question. Yeah. And, and like, honestly, eight times out of 10, people will say, you know, I don't, I don't like someone that's just going to sit and And listen. listen. Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I was trained, I don't know if you were, really to be that blank slate. That's how we were all trained. Yeah, and yeah. um and and just, you know, facilitate transference. And for our listeners, transference yeah. is when our clients start to project onto us everything as if, you know, we were their mother, their father, their 
partner, you know, their friend. Like they start transferring all the unfinished business and and dynamics. And so we start experiencing that as the other people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa, like that's when I know, okay, this is – Therapy's working, yeah. You know, though it's personally difficult to. to well, and I, all I think that. it requires it requires uh, weekly therapy, a real right. sort of depth. Well, and that, yeah, and that's a different. It's different than what yeah. I do for sure. Well, I'm real solution solution focused, and well, and and I think every person and every couple brings in has different needs. Yeah, you know, so not everyone that doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think um, you have to assess. I like assessing it. It sounds like you do too. What does this person, mm-hmm. what does this couple need? Mm-hmm. What's going to help them the most based on their schedule, their finances, right. where they're at? So, yeah. Like, I don't have a requirement either. or of, And I'm happy to just have time in between the sessions so that they can reflect right. and, and bring some things in that they've tried out on their own. So and that there, makes sense and I, to me. You know, and there's a time and a place for everything. One of my, one of my internships was in hospice. Oh, wow. And working with bereavement and grief. And that's a very different animal. You know, you know, that's not an interactive, directive sort of, you know, situation. That's a real uh, listening mm-hmm. and compassionate and sitting a lot of quiet time and letting the person just sort of work through their stuff. Holding space for Holding them. Holding space. Yeah. And, you know, but you get two, like, you know, dueling couples, two, two du- people dueling in a couple in the room. I mean, you need to sort of step in and, right. and get in there and say... And be directive. Yeah, and be really directive. Yeah. So... I had written down, I had thought of some questions to ask you. We've, we've touched on a lot of them, actually, just in our conversations. I'm wondering, what can couples look forward to in, in working with you? Because not a lot of people imagine I'm looking forward going to therapy, no. <laughs> especially couples. So I'm curious about what can they expect in working with you and, and even look forward to? Hmm. I think, I mean, I like to try to have fun in the room with okay. people. So there's a certain amount of levity that yeah. I will bring to it. Um, I think I think it's fun to laugh at yourself, to find humor. Um, you know, that's what they've established that is one of the signs of the happiest couples, the couples that have been together the longest. Oh, the yeah, what is that? They have a yeah. sense of humor about mm-hmm. their faults. Um, so I, I think that I like to have fun. It's not serious. I, I, I want to be, you know, I'm working with people in many cases that are 15, 20 years younger than me. Yeah. I want them to know that I certainly uh, appreciate and respect their modernness, their views. Sure. So I'll, I, I'm not, um, I'm not old-fashioned. I'll, I'll be, you know, I want to be with them. I think that's fun. Yes. Um, Mirroring, you talk in your work too about mirroring, mirroring a person's experience, reflecting back, you know, themselves, so yeah. they can see themselves. Yeah. yeah, and address what they want to change, what they want to keep. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's, I think that's life experience. I think that's why you know it's it's a benefit to be older in our, in mm-hmm. our work. You know, I I've lived through a lot myself. Yeah, and. I think my clients know that when I look at them and I say, you know, I, I know I know what you're talking about. I get it. It's It, it comes from a place of, of really knowing. That's that mirroring back, you know. I was just but thinking the that. mirroring back can be really tough, too. I mean, you can hold a mirror up to someone and say, you know, this is what I feel 
with you or this is what I see and experience with you and are you happy with that yeah and people will you know that's the tough part of therapy is when people sort of sit back and go my god you know I don't know that I'm happy with that I don't know that I like what I see but in those moments, because as you know, the critics and everybody are so huge. People love critic. to bring themselves down. Right. And that's the piece that, you know, I always will try to be positive and About. see the good intention behind everybody's struggles, you know. I like where you say, I'll never forget your potential, even if you do. No, and just holding that yeah. out there yeah. with them and for them. Yeah, For sure, I do that a lot, you know? Yeah. Because people like to bag on themselves so much. I mean, it's just terrible to witness, you know? Yeah. So it's a reframe. You'll reframe something that's going on with someone into a place where maybe they can see what they did as something that made sense at that time and that maybe they can forgive themselves or learn from it and move Mm -hmm. on rather than, you know, I notice that with a lot of people tend to sort of generalize about themselves you know I am bad or I I never find the right person or I'm always like this and those limiting beliefs mm -hmm. that then their life begins to take form and shape Mm -hmm. out of totally yeah when we were talking a little bit ago about that mirror that that you may hold up for them and how it could be that's a hard thing to do you know just even sitting with you and from the day we met you're so easy to talk to and it does come from that place of you knowing you know like so I am certain that clients come in whatever it is and just you put them at ease with your demeanor and the peace and the work you've done obviously on yourself you know so so I'm thinking that you know it flows well Thank you, Lisa. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah, it does. I mean, you know, I do see the humanness in every situation and the struggle of being a human being and how hard it is. And my heart just opens up to the people that come into my room with all that. You know, people are so sweet. Yeah. And which is a really interesting place for me to have this experience with real sort of human experiences with people in a room and then to leave my office and to look at the world and you know how do you reconcile how lovely people are and how much they want to be loved and seen and appreciated and respected yes you know and how do you put that against you know all the other stuff that's going on in the world it's so hard yeah. Well, we're acting so badly as a human race, you know? Mm-hmm. And what we do to ourselves and then mm-hmm. others. And others. And From a lack of love. Yeah, to animals earth. and children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I, I specialize in childhood trauma, sexual abuse, uh, violence, and relationships and family of origin work, and just the damage that, that does to oh, one's psyche. You know, uh, I mean, self-esteem is, is I don't. I know that's a common word, but just one's relationship with oneself and yeah. the beliefs we have about ourselves when we go through those experiences and then how we, you know, begin to manifest our lives out of those, that brokenness. You and, know? and even in the interaction with, with, with other people, it shows yeah. up. You know, this stuff is written into our body. It is. And, and you know. Physiologically. Totally. And, and the brain chemistry. Yeah, so you have to sort of untangle all that. You can have the cerebral understanding of what's going on, but you have to change the the felt experience of what's going on. You have to, right? You know, to calm yourself down. You know, self soothing. Yeah. yeah, my 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 wife is not my mother. Right. <laughs> you know exactly. I've got to remember that. 
And, and I think in working with couples, you know, those family of origin, those deep dynamics definitely come up, and, and that's why we are triggered. You know, mm-hmm. if we didn't have unfinished business, oh, we would absolutely. never be triggered. You know, so, like, that's what excites me about being a therapist is, like, sitting with someone or a couple and then seeing, like, these pop-ups of, like, that's it. Like, that's, like, the source fracture. That's, like, the original wound. That is, you know, and I'll stop couples. Hold on. Like, say what you just said again to her or to him, and what does that remind you of? And and sometimes it can take a bit. Like, that doesn't remind me of anything. You know, she's a fucking bitch. Right. You know? And I'm like, no, 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 come on. Like, because there's an energy about it. Don't you feel there's an energy about some statements? That it's like, that is not just the here and now. Absolutely. That's from, like, way back. That's the stuff you bring in, right? And that's why it's so cool where relationship can actually be a, obviously a place to work through that stuff. It's a perfect and to become container a, be, for that. a better human being, you know, to to grow outside of to grow bigger than what you thought you ever could be. Yeah. Using the relationship to do that. And I think in in finding looking and finding a partner if you can find someone that wants to help you heal those places, don't let them go. No. You know, cuz most agree. people want the fun, they want the slick you know, this is great, you know, know. but that's not real life. You know, life gets messy. And if you can find somebody that wants to be with you in your triggers and help you through. And work on it and work on themselves. Yeah. You know, just like separate the two two people out into like you deal with your stuff and I'll deal with my stuff and let's love each other. Exactly. And see how we can we can create this amazing thing together, right? Yeah. And then protect that. Because I see so many couples come in and they've just got their, you know, if the relationship exists as the sum of two parts, they've got it on the ground and they're just kicking it to death, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they're so mean to this thing, the relationship. So, you know, sort of taking that relationship and, and making it something that they need to protect and take care of. And cherish. And cherish. So do you find that couples might come in where the shit's so far off the scales, you know, it's so far down the road, like, mm-hmm. that it's kind of, in my experience, some damage control first? You know, like, how do you handle that when maybe they needed to come in way earlier than what they have? Yeah, I, in, my, in all my, what is it, 15 years, almost 15 years of doing this, I've only had two couples that I said to them, um, you know, it's, you've, it's, you've taken too long. Mm. The damage mm-hmm. is, is too great. I, I don't even know how to deal with the way you treat each other. It's, it's not, you really wouldn't even treat your worst enemy like that but only two yeah how was that received and and i don't know i i would imagine that both of these couples did not make it okay that they had waited too long and there was too much resentment and too much contempt um that there was just no way to crawl out from under i mean i've seen some pretty tough couples you know yeah when um when something like say infidelity walks into the room there's a lot of upset and a lot of thinking um, you know, I can't, I, I can't be in this relationship anymore. This person has betrayed me and all. Yeah. And I think you have to look at that even as like, you know, a spiritual, look at it from a spiritual context. Like what, what makes you think that you can spend an entire life with, lifetime with a human being and not watch them make a mistake? Can, will you say more about that? Because that's, that's important. Well, I think that, you know, people make mistakes. Yes. Yeah. We're human. And we're human, and we make mistakes, and we make poor choices. And if you're going to t- 
turn on the person because they made a mistake. That says a little bit more about you than it does about them and their coming to understand that they've made a mistake and wanting to work it out. Um, Or even, you know, even if they didn't have the strength to say, I want out of this relationship, therefore I'm going to go, I'm going to go have an affair with somebody and get myself caught so we can break up. Exactly. You know, that, that informs us that the person didn't have the courage or the strength to say. To say how they feel and what they think and and that that this isn't really working so well for me. Right, right. Or I'm not happy. Yeah, I'm not happy. But but the but the uh, sort of righteousness that can come with infidelity yeah. is um, something I'll try to eliminate right away. Because, By, because uh, it's not so? possible. Well, it's not possible to be in a relationship with someone for 20, 30, 40 years without watching them make a mistake. Of course. They just do. So are, are you going to be human enough to let your beloved be human enough? Right. right? And how can you forgive them and learn to retrust? And, you know, yeah. it takes two people. Because I'd say more often than not when I'm dealing with infidelity, it's because there's something really wrong with the relationship. Mm-hmm. Not that the person wants out. Yeah. yeah. Not that the person wants out of the relationship, but they actually desperately want their relationship to be different. Yes. And this is definitely a way to bring attention mm-hmm. to I need this to be different. right. right. I've worked with a lot of couples when there's been infidelity. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. The way that the other partner finds out, I find significant. Totally. Um, Absolutely. Because that kind of informs yeah. some dynamics going on under the surface about yeah. their communication or, or lack thereof. Yeah. And how connected they are, I yeah. think, or, or not connected yeah. they are. Well, yeah, and, and and it's hard. I mean, sex in, in relationship is, is, you know, you could – I could sit and talk to a couple – the first session, if if they'd be willing about their sex life, and yeah. the whole relationship will sort of be mapped out in and how they are with each other sexually. And it's difficult in this age that we live in where, you know, 50, what is it, 52% of marriages end in right. divorce and all that. And there's a lot of issues around sexuality, you know, mm-hmm. dried up sexuality. Yes. Um, but, y- you know, I even think that that's workable. I do too. You can you can get that back. You can if you're willing to to try some things different and yeah, new. To hear some tough stuff and yeah. to start looking at what your blocks are and speaking up about you know where you really are inside. We keep a lot of that private, you know. Our, yeah. And even physio- physiology changing. You know, couples that have been together yeah. and are getting older together, the body changes and doesn't respond in yeah. the same way sexually. And yeah. I work with a lot of couples to navigate that. Like yeah. what pleases me now, you know, what pleased me in the past does not now because my body's not working right. in that way and how to how to navigate that together. I was reading something recently, though, that talked about um, that the subjective sexual experience of people in their 50s and 60s is actually higher Mm. Um, they're happier with their sex life and they feel more sexually and they experiment bigger. It's more intimate. It's bigger yeah. than it is with 18-year-olds. You know, that I bet because they're more comfortable well, with themselves, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, I think young, we have, this, we have this fantasy that, you know, sex is really hot when you're young and you right. know, bodies and these two beautiful bodies are banging together and all yeah. that. But their capacity to have a different sort of sexual experience with each other is is limited by their experience and their, their life all, experience yeah. and depth yeah that that you know you're in your 50s and 60s and you have sex it's a whole different ball game that yeah. includes like relational sort of 
intimacy and fantasy and sort of the safety within the context of you knowing yourself and knowing the other to really like take it way out there way more than you know two young people that Definitely. are just very physical yes it's different the dimensions at which i think yeah. couples connect depending on what kind yeah. of age range yeah yeah they're they're at and in yeah how are you feeling about the show, Nina? <laughs> this is great. Yeah. This is it's great. good. Yeah, it's just the conversation. I was nervous. I had an anxiety dream last night. I was telling Lisa, I, you know, working out in my dreams. I arrived. It was a cooking show. <laughs> I know nothing about cooking. And I don't cook well enough to be having a cooking show. So we'd be no, it's shit good. out of luck if it was a cooking show today. Show <laughs> it up good. here. That's funny. So how can how can people reach you and and to become your client in either Portland or here in Silver Lake in the Los Angeles area? Well, I I do the relation the in home relationship uh, intensives. I'll do them um, in Laurel Canyon, Studio City, West Hollywood, Hollywood, in that sort of mid strip. Um, so if you're around that, those areas, those areas um, I'd be willing to work with you a minimum of two hours. I'll come to per your Per session. Home. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, other than that, I've just opened an office in Silver Lake. So hopefully Yay, we'll congratulations. get... congratulations. Thank you. We'll get the um, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, Echo Park people and downtown people to come and see me in person. Um, and uh, Portland, I've been in the same place for years and years and years, right down in northwest Portland. Okay. Um, Portland is charming for everybody that has been there, knows where I'm. I'm in Knob Hill. That's great. Um, so I guess the best way to contact me would be to go to my website, ninawatt.com. There's no S on the Watt. And give me a call, and hopefully I'll pick up, and we make an appointment, and you come in, and you see if you like me, and if it's going to be a fit. And if it is, we will start seeing each other every two weeks. I can see people in Los Angeles weekly, but only on Friday. But Sure. And Nina's website is really great. A lot of the things that we talked about, you go in depth, even, which I have never seen, a release forum that really talks about the therapeutic relationship and what clients can expect, not just, you know, the nuts and bolts, like what you pay and how you pay and cancellation, but about, um, you know, the relational experience of being in therapy and what you can offer them and, you know, what you expect of them to bring with their honesty and openness. And it's just a great website. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and I, I also want to say that, you know, I, I work with love in all forms, all of its forms. So I'm really comfortable working with gay, lesbian, um, bisexual, with, you queer know, clients. Polyamorous. I yeah. do a lot of that work with clients up in Portland. Okay. Um, you know, different combinations of love. Uh, yeah, of love. I like that. Yeah. The way you say it. Different combinations of love. Yeah. Because that is what it is, right? It's yeah, just love. It's, it's all just humans just trying to love. Exactly. Yeah. I think we have the best job on the planet. I do, too. You know, I feel so lucky. <laughs> I think back to my 24-year-old self when I finished social work school at Tulane and was getting my licensure and, and working with clients. And sometimes I'm like, God, like, I know. you know, how did people work with me? I was so young and, and not didn't know anything. I mean, I had a rich family experience of both positive and traumatic things. And I started therapy at the age of 21. 
I still participate in therapy at about to turn 45. So I believe in a personal mm-hmm. healing practice is most important um, in our line of work and just in general for people to be happy and, mm-hmm. and such. And now about to turn 45, I'm like, wow, like, you know, I work with clients much older than me often. And some of them have come in and they're like, you look, you look like you're 30. Like, mm-hmm. how, what are you going to do to help me? I said, I'm not sure, but sit down and mm-hmm. tell me about what's going on mm-hmm. and let's see if, you know, we can figure this out. And I think you and I both help people feel really safe mm-hmm. and secure by mm-hmm. our warmth and genuineness and knowledge. You know, that, that that goes beyond just what we've learned in school and read. It's like who we are, well, I think, in the world. Well, it's about being authentic, I think. It is. You know, and that mirroring authenticity to clients is huge. Just be real. Just That's all I want. People, is yes. I want them to be real with themselves and to all be real with them, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We have, we have about another couple of minutes anything important for you Nina to share that we haven't talked about or um one thing well maybe if we've got two minutes I'll talk about my individual work that I work with a lot of um people with anxiety struggling with anxiety I'm I'm really comfortable with that um helping people sort of sit with that and come to terms with that um I also do something sort of unconventional in that I'll work with using addicts and that is something that's hard to find in therapy that is that is I don't require that you need to be uh fixed before you get therapy that I know I have a lot of respect for the process uh towards abstinence yeah or uh, medi- you know, moderation management sort of thing. Like so harm I, reduction models? Yeah, like I, so I will work with people that are in full-blown sort of addiction. Um, I do too, only, with the yeah. harm reduction model. The only thing I require is that you don't come to sessions. Me too. High yeah, or intoxicated. High or intoxicated. Or, but, absolutely. Um, I, I think that that's a very heroic struggle. It is. To quit uh you know, to get that monkey off your back. And I, I come at it from a very um, respectful place of, yeah, you know, what that's been like for a person to struggle with addiction. This goes back to me when we were speaking about people just being human mm-hmm. and able to, um, you know, forgive and accept. You know, not everyone's going to go from being an addict to being abstinent. I don't <clears> think that's <throat> the only way. I think if we can help our clients reduce harm, to themselves, yeah. you know, and even use in a way that's less lethal, that's yeah. less dangerous. Yes. You know that that's a success. Yes, I'd agree. I'd agree. So that's good for people to know that you do work with addicts mm-hmm. in whatever stage and, and mm-hmm. shape, form their addiction takes mm-hmm. and, and individuals. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Nina, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, com. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and I just thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. It was fun. It was very fun. Okay. That concludes our show for this week. Please join me next week. I have back on the show clairvoyant artist, medical intuitive, and astrologer Amadeus. We are doing uh, part two of a three-part series uh, relating to her work. And next week, we will be talking about frequency, patterns, and psychology. So join me again, same time. Thank you. You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.